We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Managing Editor Derek C. Apollo. We're here to celebrate a win with Steve Ribeiro, our staff writer, our, our normal fantasy guru. Uh, he went a little bit different direction this year. Steve, 23-13, the Rams get their eighth win of the year. How you feeling? It's beautiful, man. You know, I'm a little bit younger than you guys, so the last time the Rams even went 8-8, eight and eight, I was in like sixth grade. So first time since I've been even a young adult that they've been good. It's awesome. A big win today against an actual opponent. Uh, I'm feeling great about it, man. Stop, stop. You were not a young adult. You were like a preteen. I meant even older kid. more Not young adult, like teenager. Well, let's, let's age Steve out a little bit. That means the last time the Rams actually won eight games – was in 2006 the last time they had a winning season was 2003 when they won the nfc west that puts them in a whole new era for us we're not used to this we are totally not used to it not at all and it's kind of funny because the rams became known as the team that always goes eight and eight during the fisher teams the fisher years they never went eight and eight with fisher you know this 
if they lose out, this will be the best season they've had in 10 years. Jesus, that 7-9 BS. Yeah. No more. No more. Okay. None of that. Really quick, before we get into the numbers of this game, let's go ahead and give a shout-out to our sponsors over at Golden Ram Barbershop. They're at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. They're operating hours daily, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., except on Saturdays, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sundays, folks, they're closed. They're watching Rams football. That's their lives. They're, they just live it. Sal lives it out there. 714-894-7267. Make an appointment. Go into his shop. Sal Martinez has owned the shop since 1994. He opened it the day the Rams left. That's right, the day the Rams left. He kept the light on for Rams football. You go into his shop, you see nothing but Rams hardware. You see the Rams memorabilia, jerseys, helmets, you name it. It's there. Oh, and you get a great cut. Use the promo code RAMSTALK. Call 714-894-7267. That's the Gold Ram Barbershop. Okay, Steve, why don't you take us through the numbers here? Looking at the numbers, Jared Goff, 354 yards on 28 completions, 43 attempts, a little high, two touchdowns, one interception, and the interception, which was his first in 138 attempts, came on a pretty fluky pay that really just ended up being a punt. So you're not going to hold too much against him for that. We can get into that later. Todd Gurley, 17 rushes, 74 yards, added four receptions for 54. And I think the big story in the box score was with the absence of Robert Woods, Cooper Cup stepped up big time, eight receptions, 116 yards. Sammy Watkins, I'm going to say he stepped up, a little shaky at times, but four receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown, one of his better games of the year. Josh Reynolds stepped into the third receiver role, four receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. And the other receiver of note was Tyler Higby, three receptions for 48 yards. I think... The big story of the offensive side of the box score is those receivers, like I said. You expected another guy to get involved and step in for Woods. It was Reynolds, but I'm glad he ended up being the third wheel here because Cup looked great. He needed a big game. There's a lot of times where Sammy Watkins and Jared Goff looked a little off like they have all year, and especially on that interception, it was a little bit of an underthrow by Goff, but also a play that Watkins should have made a little bit better, but... You know, what stood out to you about about the receivers without Woods? I thought I felt great about it, a lot better than I expected to. Cooper Cup, that was a big big day for him today. It really kind of showed that he could come back from some of the the dark days. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, this last game still dropped the pass, by the way. But you know, he he was there when the Rams needed him to be there. I like how you know Higby fought for that that thirty eight yard game at the end there uh, was huge yeah. and you know I like that was a great did. play I like that Reynolds got some time even Watkins making a couple really nice grabs I, you know I'm still frustrated that he doesn't quite have that connection with Goff that he needs to have and so that's a concern for me but overall with Woods out of the Woods geez it was 354 yards passing I'm not complaining I'm not no. complaining at all what about the Saints here let's take a look at their numbers Alvin Kamara had 188 yards now as a team they had 346 total yards. So my biggest observation from this game was it looked like there was two defenses that played today. The one when Kamara had the ball, which got torched, and the one when he didn't have the ball, which for the most part played fantastic. Every part of that offense outside of Kamara was shut down pretty much. They did a great job on Michael Thomas. I, I was really impressed with how Tremaine played. Thomas had five receptions for 52 yards. You know, it's passable i guess but 
I'm I'm happy with how he played. It's just it's crazy what they let Kamara do to them. He only had 11 touches and he had 180 yards and over half of their offensive production. I mean, I don't know. Ingram had 11 touches for 31 yards. It was a tale of two players. It was almost like the Rams just figured, you know, we're going to give Kamara so much respect that we're going to give him space to move around. They, he made them look silly, but they made stupid mistakes. They wouldn't wrap him up. They're going high. You can't go high on a guy like that. You have to go no. medium to low. And, of course, the one time Kayvon Webster went low, he, he hurled over him. So you need to have guys running to him and pursuing him and getting their arms around him and not giving him the space to move. And they did it with him. Nobody else in that Saints offense got that kind of room. The Rams secondary really clamped down the rest of that Saints offense the rest the whole day. And yet here yeah. we are, and we're seeing, you know, Kamara just running free. He's a gazelle, just running around, having a good time, having a party in the middle of Sahara Desert, wherever he is, Sahara, whatever it is, okay? <laughs> All right. Also, Drew Brees, 22 of 32, 246 yards a touchdown. When we had Katie Drummond on earlier in the week, he mentioned the fact that, you know, he felt that Breeze did not have the arm that he used to have. He throws a more of a, we called it a pickoffable ball or something like that. I think we saw that today, too. Oh, yeah. And on that drive near the end of the game where he almost threw two interceptions in a row, you know, he's st- he's not the player that he used to be, but still very good. And for the Rams to hold him to 256 yards with a, a lot of it coming on that last drive, you know, the Rams had a big win before that, a big big lead before that so I'm not too worried about that you know you hold Drew Brees to 246 yards I know he's a little older he doesn't have the deep ball as much but I'm very okay with how the passing defense played when it wasn't Kamara running around well he just and he ran everywhere okay yeah uh just real quick folks just to kind of get down into the team numbers 24 first downs for the Rams 14 for the Saints Third down efficiency, both teams were not good today. 3 of 14 for the Rams, 3 of 13 for the Saints. Oof. 415 total net yards for the Rams, 346 for the Saints. Net yards rushing, Rams 88. We're going to have to talk about that. 123 for the Saints, most of that coming from Kamara. 327 yards net for the, the Rams. 223 for the Saints, four times sacked. Goff a second, four times. Uh, we got to... to Drew Brees three times, and time on possession going down here. Well, I cannot ignore this. Nine penalties for 90 yards in the Rams today. Seven penalties, 112 yards. A lot of the penalty yards came on special teams. Time of possession. This is where the Rams really got it, and this is where it, it, total opposite of last week. 35 minutes, 26 seconds for the Rams. 24, 34 for the Saints. Steve, what won the game for this team today? Tyler possession was definitely a big factor on that last drive near the end of the game when the Rams ate clock for a while and then ended up with a field goal, a touchdown been desired, but you look at how quickly the Saints scored 42 seconds. If the Rams didn't take care of business on that drive and really let that clock run, Goff did a great job controlling the pace. We don't know if we're having the same conversation now because of how quickly the Saints came back and scored. That's they're just one of those teams that can score very quickly and the Rams did a great job of controlling the pace. They really controlled the time of possession, and I think that was big. And I also think that the pass defense, like I mentioned, really stepped up without Nickel Roby Coleman in the lineup. Webster played well. Tremaine Johnson played very well. I think those two factors, along with 
the receivers stepping up and really taking advantage of the fact that Lattimore wasn't on the field. Both teams were missing a DB, and I think the Rams really took advantage of it more, albeit Lattimore is a little better than Roby Coleman. Well, so the Saints were missing both of their starting starting defensive backs today. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, so the Rams did a great job of taking advantage of that. And I, I we have to give credit to Kayvon Webster as well. We have been all over him throughout the year, not living up to what we expected of him. And he had his probably had his best game as a Ram today, especially that one-on-one tackle in the open field. That was great. Was, you know, saved first down. Things that won the game, time of possession, secondary play. Goff was Goff probably also has best game in, in the pocket as well and making good decisions when to throw, moving around. Is that where you're thinking as well? Yeah, really a game with Goff. And Romo pointed that out a couple times. When he, he gets the ball out quick now, and I think that was a big part of his problem last year was he took a little long. I'm really impressed with how he's played in recent weeks. You know, that was his first interception since before the bye week. And it really wasn't all his fault on that. He could have made a little bit better pass. Watkins could have made a better play. And it was a total fluke interception. I mean, let's be real. Watkins, it hit his hand, and some guy just catches it, runs out of bounds, and it didn't really affect the flow of the game. So, yeah, Goff, borderline pro bowler this year. He's played really outstanding in their last couple games. Even last week against Minnesota, he didn't do enough to win him the game, but he didn't lose him the game. He's been the difference maker this year on the offensive side of the ball. With how well he's been able to play, it's really opened things up for Todd Gurley, which we harped on all last year that that's all they needed to get him going. And we're seeing the fruits come to fruition right now. Also, winning the game, the Rams up front got those three sacks, got, you know, and remember, the the Saints came into this game having given up only 10 sacks all year. The Rams got three. And they pressured Breeze all game. They gave him all kinds of fits back there. So, you know, that's something that I think won the game for them as well. No doubt. And this was a big two-way victory against a two-way team. You look at the good teams that the Rams have beaten this year. Jacksonville, a pretty defensive-heavy team. Dallas, a pretty offensive-heavy team. This was the Saints. This is the first real win they've had against a very good team on both sides of the ball and a very good team in general. And this was a real statement win for the Rams against another team that they're going to see down the line in the playoffs. We got to be happy about this, man. I mean, there's not really much else to say. The Rams are eight and three. It honestly took me a while to believe that they were good because they've been so bad for so long, but they are legit. And I think there's not too many points in this game where you could point to and say, that's good. That would have cost us because they, I think they did a great job all around. I think there are some things to talk about in terms of what they could have done better. I've pointed a few of those things out now, but nothing killed them today. Yeah. And so I think what they did do a great job of doing is is they minimized their mistakes. They were able to overcome some of the dumb decisions they made, especially the penalties. Special teams penalties today. Oh, my gosh. The special teams penalties today were horrible. Let's just be honest about that. They were horrible. So they overcame that. They overcame giving up four sacks in the first half. Gave up none in the second half. They overcame Kamara's just running wild all over them. They overcame that. And so they made the best out of some bad situations. It was a character game for them. And let's be honest, they dominated this game from the very beginning. The Saints never led in this game. Uh, The Rams controlled it start to finish. 
They really came out hot on that first drive. They looked great. And like I said, it's a statement win. The Saints are good. They're a very good football team. And the Rams were a better football team. And I can't be the only one that had to have been sweating a little bit last week when the Rams got dominated by a very good football team in Minnesota. But that made me a little worried that maybe we're not the team that we thought we were. Maybe we were just blowing out bad teams. But with this win today, I feel a lot better. I think that they will definitely get to the playoffs and potentially win a game or two in there. Maybe even make a run to the Super Bowl. Who knows? This, they're good, man. They're so good. It's crazy. It blows my mind how good they've been so quickly. Well, it puts the, the Vikings game behind them. I think that was a huge yes. victory for them. We'll get to that here at the end of the podcast, but we, we first want to get some awards out there for you. The star of the game. The star of the game. Steve, who is your star of the game? I'm going to go with Cooper Cup, man. He Last week, that fumble was killer, and he's had some noticeable drops. And he came out early. He had that big third and long play early in the game, or second and long. I don't remember which one, but something and long. They do great on something and long. But Cup, eight receptions for 116 yards. Robert Woods really took over in the last couple weeks as the primary threat in the passing game. And it was a little concerning when he got hurt. But now Cooper Cup really steps up. Sammy Watkins stepped up as well. But Sammy Watkins, a lot of the time, he's going to be more of a decoy just because of how talented he is. And that's totally fine. Cup is the guy that they need to be the possession receiver, the guy in the trenches moving the sticks. And he did everything he needed to today. Well, for me, I'm going to go with Alec Ogletree. Just He made several key tackles and was able to make several key plays in in the backfield as well, just moving the ball that really kind of controlled the Saints and, and ended some drives. And so defensively, when you get that kind of play from your inside linebackers, when you get them just in that front seven overall, when you, people who could stop, shut down plays that are coming out in the intermediate routes, even short routes to try and get to that first down, that's huge for your defense. And that really kind of sets the tone for what your overall scheme will be. So to me, it's Alec Ogletree, star of the game for me. And I I need to say, he takes a lot of flack too. Yeah, he's another guy that needed a big game like this. And he had a good one today. Yeah. So I'm going to go with him as my star of the game. Now, the goat of the game. The goat of the game. I'm going to, I got to throw some shade at... I want to say the penalties, but we've already talked about them. I want to throw some shade at some of that second and third quarter play calling where we didn't see, you know, Todd Gurley getting the ball. Give that man the ball. Tavon Austin should never get more possessions in the running game than Todd Gurley. Never. I think that really hurt the Rams in those middle quarters. They overcame it. But, and we have a young coach who's going to make mistakes. But to me, that's common sense. Feed Gurley. Feed the beast. Feed him a lot. Especially when you're trying to grind out the clock. It worked today for them. They worked, they, well, not that, but other things worked. They overcame it. But that's my go to the game is to play calling with Gurley. Yeah, I'll piggyback off of your point and take the the easy target here, unfortunately. Tavon Austin. I mean, he had that one really nice play early in the game on that reverse. A great play call. And like you said, those the play calls with him in those time periods was a little questionable, but 
He did nothing with those touches outside of that one nice 10-yard gain early in the game. And for how much money he's making, with Robert Woods out, they needed him to make some plays. They tried to get him in a position to make some plays. He just couldn't do it, man. I I wish he was better. I really like him, but it's hard to imagine a world where he's on the team next year. Well, I I don't know about that. I think the Rams forced it a bit. I think the Rams... You, really, when you want to get him involved, you want to establish Todd Gurley on the inside first so that you have Tavon Austin more of an as you know, a sidekick, a guy who's going to run off the edge, who will kind of, you know, provide that. What's the word I'm looking for? That, that you know, yeah, that, thunder and lightning. Thunder I feel and yeah. lightning. you want. Yeah, you're thunder and lightning. You want that. And they just went for the lightning first. Yeah. And. That's not going to work against a defense like what the Saints have in their front seven. They have too much speed in the edges. You need to establish the inside game first and then move the outside. Get them moving. Get them flowing towards early inside. That's what the Rams have done all year when Austin's been successful in that position. So why they try to force feed Austin's early, that's not going to work. You need you want him on the, on the, uh, on the field for more than two plays, definitely. But you don't want yeah. him being your primary back. You want Gurley in there, wearing them down, pulling them on the inside, and then freeing up the outside. And that's not what they did. Tavon Austin should never run, get a handoff two plays in a row. I mean, that just sh- should not be in the script, especially when the first one didn't net a first down. You should not hand him off the ball twice in a row. It's crazy. Another thing I like to see them do, I would like to see them do, would be to get him out in the slot again. Run, you know, have him run the ball on the outside, and then get next play two plays later. Get him the slot, have him run a slant. Use that speed to your advantage. If you can do that, then he becomes the weapon we all thought he would. But for some reason, it doesn't matter what Rams coordinator they've had. They've not been able to do that with him. And it, it, to me, it's you know, I'm not a coach. I mean, I'm not a schemer. I mean, I, I get that, but some of it to me is just kind of. When you see speed, you find a way to use it, and they're not using them right right now. All right, so now that all those opinions are out there, now all those thoughts on Austin and the rest of the Rams, and Steve, what does this all mean for the Rams as they now are 8-3, and three, one game up still in the NFC West? This is a huge win because you look at the Rams' schedule going forward – at Cardinals, home against the Eagles, at Seattle, at Tennessee, versus home against the Niners. Even if you factor in those Cardinals and 49ers wins as locks, this team more than likely needs to get to 11 wins to make the playoffs. 10 wins might do it, but right now, the last two wildcard teams are both 7-4, and four, and there's a good chance that one, if not both of them, get to 10 wins. So if they lost this game against the Saints, they'd be 7 and. Seven and three, and more than likely they need seven and four, right? More than likely they would have needed to win one of these games against Philly and at Seattle. And right now, I think Tennessee, I would lean towards that being us being a big favorite in that game. And so, if you win against Arizona, against San Francisco, and against Tennessee, you're pretty much good because you can drop that Eagles game and you can drop that Seattle game, and at worst, you would end up in a wild card, I think. It's hard to imagine a world where all of these teams finish in 11-5 and and somehow the Rams don't make it. 
So that Seattle game is going to be huge for the division. And if the Rams want a home playoff game, it'll probably be a must win. But I think this kind of, if they can win the games they should win, will pretty much lock up a spot for them in the playoffs. Well, I think now we know one thing, that Seattle game's gonna, that game's going to get flexed. Yeah. yeah it, that's going to be, that's probably for the division title now. So that game will be flexed. If it's not flexed, then some of the NFL needs fired. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, what this really means, you touch on the things that are the straight fact. We'll now probably get 11 wins. They'll probably get them. The last time the Rams won more than eight games was 2003. They finished 12-4, and four, won the NFC West. There are eight wins now. I, I, we talk about the emotions of just being somebody who's watched this team go through years and years of just horrible stuff. And now, here we are, 8-3. and three. They're going to make the playoffs. And I'm looking at Seattle's schedule now. I mean, home against the Eagles at Jacksonville, home against us at Dallas. Ezekiel Elliott will be back for that game, uh, assuming they don't hold him out. And home against the Cardinals. So they got a similarly tough schedule, but you're right. That game is more than likely going to be the one for the division title. It's it's crazy. It'll it, It's going to come down to the wire. But I'm glad we're kind of in the driver's seat now. Driver's seat? I feel well, like you know what I mean. I feel like we're in the... They're driving in traffic, but they're in the driver's seat. <laughs> I feel like we're in like this... You know, we're in the, the Rolls Royce right now. You just got to keep <laughs> winning. And you have to keep winning. And there are things that are going right for this team, even when they mess up. Even when they throw nine penalties on the field. Even when you somehow, someway, just let some guy roam free in the middle of the field all day long, Kamara. They still find a way to win. That's special, man. And every time the Rams have had that chance to win that eighth game, they failed in 2010. They go to Seattle. The division's on the line. Two really bad football teams. Okay, but they're good enough to win an eighth game if they if they beat of all quarterbacks Charlie Whitehurst. Remember this? Yeah. They, remember this? Okay. That's like the most important Rams game I remember watching was the Clipboard Jesus game. Oh my goodness! Well, Clipboard Jesus, holy crap! They lose that game. In 2012, they're competing for the playoffs. And they're they're in it all the way. And they still don't get that eighth win. It just kept happening. You, so for the Rams to reach eight wins, it really honestly feels like a monkey is off the backs of this team. Yeah. That, you know, now you can move forward. That's all really history now. The season is not falling apart. They might, they, you know, they might struggle down the stretch. This, this schedule's hard. This is a hard yeah. schedule, and maybe they don't. Maybe they do have some moments where someone gets hurt, and they get, they win nine games, they win ten games. It's already a success as long as you keep building forward. As long as they, as long as the Rams continue to build on every game, it's a success. They are going to win at least eight games. They did win eight games. They're going to win a ninth game. I mean, they're going to beat the 49ers or the Titans or the Cardinals. Okay, so it's really now, what can you do? What what will be the end? And I think there's a good chance the end will be at least at least 10 and 6, if not 11 and 5. It would take a lot for them to go less than 10 and 6, because with how well they're playing, they've really beaten all the teams that they should be beating. You know, the loss to Washington was, you know, they're a better team than Washington, but 
that was early in the year. They're still a young team. They were really young in week two. So outside of that Washington game, they've won all the games they should win. You know, a loss to Seattle isn't the end of the world. A loss to Minnesota on the road is fine. They're a great team. So it would be hard for me to imagine a world where they lose the Arizona game, the San Francisco game, and the Tennessee game. You know, Tennessee is good. I think we are a lot better than Tennessee. I think they benefited from a lot of their schedule. But I really think that this team is beyond losing to teams they shouldn't be losing to. And I think they should walk away with wins against Arizona and San Francisco pretty easily. And that puts them in 10 and 6. And normally 10 and 6 gets you in. This year, who knows? It might be tough. But it, it feels great that they're in this position. It is a long time coming. It's a long time coming. You can go back to all those years watching Mark Bulger fall apart, watching them experiment with, I mean, even Case Keenum, Nick Foles, watching them try and make Sam Bradford stay healthy and try and get him in the game and and lead this team. All these receivers that have come through, Brandon Lloyd, and you're trying to find... I, I, I guess I'm short on words to, to say, you know, finally, after all these years, eight wins. Hey, and <laughs> it's just so sad that we're getting this celebratory over eight wins because it's been that long since they haven't had a losing record. But it's a long time coming. And it's, it's, a, it's amazing. It feels great. It's just I'm sure other teams would be listening to us talk about eight wins like, wow, that must have been a not fun 10 years. And it wasn't though. Let's think about it. No, it really it was wasn't. Not. And it was it was even worse before that. I mean, because we saw the writing on the wall as that front office and the coaching staff, even in the at the end of the greatest show on turf days, when they just couldn't get along and they started making some really poor draft decisions, the, the writing was on the wall. This is all going to go to crap. So for the finally to finally come up, you almost feel bad because you they, they wasted the careers. The prime of like Chris Long's career. Yeah, Lebronitis too. You know they they wasted that. I'm glad they finally figured it out. They finally have it going the right way. But man, I feel bad that these teams that have fallen apart and come back in the same time that the Rams just stayed falling apart. They just stayed, just stayed. Yeah. And I feel bad that it's taken so long for it's about it's about freaking time. It's about time. All right, so, Steve, we're going to close here. I guess we can close with it's about freaking time. What are your thoughts as well? Let's get your closing thoughts and give you a shout-out. And... Quick shout-out to a player who I did not expect to see on the field today, Michael Humanawanui, <laughs> Rams, Rams legend. Um, but did not expect to see him on the field. Glad he's still kicking. Liked him in his brief stint with the Rams. Other than that, we just got to be happy we're 8-3. and three. If we don't beat the Eagles or the Seahawks in the coming weeks, it's okay. We can still get to 11 and five even without those games. I'm, I'm feeling good for the first time in a long time. I'm optimistic. It took me a long time to get to the point where I actually believed in this team because I've been spurned a little too many times in the past. But it's great, man. I'm happy. All right, so here we go. We're heading down the stretch run. For Steve Ribeiro, this is Derek C. Apollo for Rams Talk Radio. Rams win 26-20 over the Saints. They move to 8-3. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.